well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Very good. Very good. Glad that you're with us here today. Welcome to you all. If you're a guest with us, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. It's so great to be worshiping with you. This is my first time with you in 2023. My family and I were on vacation last week. Uh, uh, one of our leaders, Chris Calhoun, stepped in, did an amazing job. But it's so good to be back with you today, worshiping the Lord. Uh, in just a little bit, we're going to get into the Word. And before we do that, as we sing and as we pray and, 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 and seek to set our hearts on the Lord, I want to read a scripture to you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. 1 Peter 2, 10 says, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but how you have received mercy. What the scripture is telling us is, there was a point in your life and in my life where we were not the people of God, we were enemies of God. We weren't under the mercy of God, we were actually under the wrath of God. But God in his grace through Jesus Christ took our sin to the cross so that we can trust by faith in Christ. And now we've been made the people of God, covered under the grace and mercy of God. So today, as we stand here in just a moment, as we sing and as we worship and as we pray and as we give and all these different aspects of worship, I want to encourage you, we do this as people who have been made the people of God, made sons and daughters of God, made saints of God, as Chris told us last week. Not based on our own work or our own effort, but upon God himself and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I want to encourage you today to sing as those who have been made the people of God, proclaiming the glories of God, because he is the one who has made us his own. I want to encourage you to bow your heads just for a moment. I want to pray for us as we begin our time. God, I just thank you. I thank you, God, as we worship. Lord, that we get to worship again as people who are yours, who have been made yours, who have been made sons and daughters who have been made right with you through Christ I ask you today God as we as we just gather I pray God right now that you'll soften hearts pray God right now that you would tear down walls that have been built up in our minds I pray God that you would show us and allow us to see areas in our life that just don't bring glory and honor to just don't line up with who we claim to be as sons and daughters of God. I pray for those here in the room who don't really know you in a real relationship. I pray, God, that they'll see that today, come to that realization and enter into a true relationship with you today, God. I pray, God, for those who are in a relationship with you, Lord, but there are just areas of their life that just don't line up with that. I pray, God, you'll show us. I pray, God, that we would see that. I pray, Lord, we would turn walk in the fullness of who we are in you. We lay ourselves before you right now, asking you to do in us what only you can do. We trust you, God, as your people, do your work in us for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. Because these things are true, we have a reason to celebrate the person of Jesus the Christ. So stand with me. Let's raise a hallelujah. Let's sing and let's celebrate. Come on. I'll raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I 
recognize that you are God and you are holy. And I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He says, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What that means for us, church, and what I want us to remember is that in the highs of life, you know, when it seems like God is outwardly blessing us, or inwardly we are growing in our spiritual walk with him, that it is easy to say, yes, Lord, I praise you, I follow you, I give you everything. And the darkest nights when you're, when you're literally all alone, you have one reason to still say the same things, and that is because he is God, and he never changes, and we need no other reason to sing, not a happy family, not a healthy life, not a job, we need Jesus. Jesus. And in the personhood of Christ, we have more than 10,000 reasons to sing and celebrate. And so we're going to sing that song, but in recognition that the only thing we need is Christ and Christ alone. And so let's ponder these things as we sing.
church. I don't want to rush this moment. I don't want to be caught by time. I want to be caught by the Spirit. So if we could just sing that, that chorus again, all the saints proclaim His greatness as we pray, as we celebrate together. One more time. Sing it with me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship Him. have a seat, but let's just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I just want to kind of go into a time of prayer together. Um, not just as we go into our time in the Word here, but really as we start 2023 together. Philippians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul here is talking about, I'm not perfect, haven't achieved this great level yet, but I'm pursuing Christ. I'm going after Christ. And there are two things that he says he does in that pursuit of Christ. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And I just want to take just a minute for us to let this be a point of prayer for us. As you begin 2023 in the Lord, there are some things you need to forget. There are some sins that have been covered under the cross of Jesus Christ that you need to forget and move on from. There are sins that have been committed against you. You need to forgive. And you need to forget. And you need to move forward. A spiritual discipline for growth is forgetting. Not that it doesn't matter. And not that it's super under the rug. But it's covered under the grace of God. And so we don't have to keep living in it. Wallowing in it. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Pushing forward to Jesus. You don't accidentally fall backwards into spiritual growth. You have to strain forward with all your might that the Lord would give you. 
to seek after Jesus. So I want you to take just a moment and you spend some time before the Lord just in your own spirit forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead for you in Christ. Just right now, commit that in your spirit in 2023. What are you forgetting as you strain forward to Jesus? Take just a minute and set that before the Lord. and we admit that we have not arrived so we need to keep straining forward the only way we're going to strain forward is if we forget what's in the past we're covered under the cross of Christ we're covered under the grace of God we're covered under the blood of Jesus we're not going to hold ourselves or anyone else we're going to forget what lies behind we're going to strain forward to you we commit this to you this morning Jesus we desire this this in us, God, that we would grow in you, seek you, and desire you to even greater levels here this year. We commit the beginning of this year to you and say, oh God, do in us whatever you will. Let 2023 be a year where we are just overwhelmed with what you do in us. We love you. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. If you got a Bible, let's find uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles, it's going to be in your Old Testament, all right? 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and we'll hop into that here in just a few moments. Um, we're going to begin uh, this year, going to do a series we're calling If My People. It comes from that scripture we'll see here in just a moment. It's going to walk through the book of 2 Chronicles, and I'll unpack that here in just a little bit. But, um, so Monday night, um, I, I don't know if any of you, but for me on Monday night, I, uh, I turned on the TV and I was watching uh, the Bills-Bengals game. I'm a huge uh, football fan. Uh, it's a big game. Bills and Bengals, one of the two of the best teams in the AFC. They're fighting out to see uh, playoff rankings and births and all that and so what's that gonna the seating is gonna look like it's, it's a big game right so i'm watching the game and uh and, and unless you've quite literally been living under a rock over the last week you know where i'm going with this but so uh, as you're as i'm watching the game there uh damar hamlin uh safety for the bills goes to make a tackle on t higgins the receiver for the Bengals. rather innocuous no big deal routine bang bang play Right? It was just Higgins caught the ball, made a turn, uh, Hamlin came in, tackled him, fell, and then Hamlin hopped right back up, right? Almost instantaneously, hopped up. Uh, but the second he hit his feet, kind of clear, lights were on, but no one's home, right? Okay, something's not right. And then, of course, he collapsed. And, and if you were watching the game, um, it was pretty clear something significant was going on. Camera cut away, they weren't showing the field. Um, as the cameras on the commentators, 
uh, uh, Troy Aitman and Joe Buck as, as, as they're commentating on what's going on, the camera's watching. It's obvious from the look on their face, this is not an okay situation. Um, we know now um, that um, while on the field, for all intents and purposes, uh, DeMar Hamlin died. Uh, his heart stopped beating, his lungs stopped pumping, and they had to perform CPR on him. Um, I've heard accounts ranging everywhere from 9 minutes to 11 minutes. And if you're in the medical field, you know that is not good. Right? That is not an okay thing. Um, but so here's what's happening. DeMar Hamlin is uh, full of life, full of energy, full of vigor. Uh, he is... He's a professional athlete. For a living, his job is to be as physically fit as absolutely possible. Like that's his job. So he's full of life, and then something happens to suck that life out of him. And what had to happen was, track with this, an external force had to come along. And breathe life literally into his lungs so that he could be revived. Right? That's what happened. Life was being robbed from him. An external force, medical personnel, had to come along and quite literally breathe life into him so that he could be revived. And... And what I want to set the stage for us today is this. What happened with that young man physically is what I believe needs to happen with many of us sitting in this room right now today spiritually. You need to be revived. You need God himself to breathe fresh spiritual life into your lungs. You need revival. This is what the people of God knew they needed. Psalm 85 verse 6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? This is the people of God talking to God. Will you, God, not revive us again so that we can rejoice in you? That word revive is avah in the Hebrew. It literally means to breathe new life into, right? New life springing up. God, will you not breathe fresh spiritual life into our lungs so that we can finally live again who you've called us to be, to rejoice in you and worship you and live in you. These people of God knew two things. Number one, how I'm currently living is not what God has for me. And number two, God's the only one who can do anything about it. You tracking with that? I am not walking in all that I am to be as a person of God. And I can't fix me. I need God to revive me. And what I want to set for us today is this. That is exactly, brothers and sisters, where we are right now. I know that's where I am. I know that's me. I know as I look at the new year coming along, what I desire is that God would revive me. I want Psalm 85 verse 6 to be my prayer for 2023. 
God, will you not revive me? Will you not pour fresh into me so that I can rise up and rejoice and worship you? For many of us, if you're like me, I grew up uh, in a Baptist church. With that, that means I went to good uh, Baptist youth summer camps. And what that means is this. We were encouraged to rededicate our lives to the Lord all the time. So I rededicated my life to God like 473 times. Right? It's just what you did, man. Thursday night at youth camp. You either got saved or rededicated your life. And if you stood there and went, I really don't think I need to do that. Then we will sing Awesome God until 4 a.m. Until you do it. Like, I'll do it. I don't care. Like, you will rededicate your life. Okay, okay, all right. But here's the thing, and it, and it, it, it was my fault. It wasn't the people who were leading me. It was totally on me. It was in my heart. I was misunderstanding some things. And so I'll just kind of lay myself bare, and maybe you have a similar thing that it, it'll, it'll connect with. When I was rededicating my life, what I really meant was there are certain things in my life I need to stop doing and certain things in my life I want to start doing, so I am committing to work harder for God. I am rededicating. Right, I'm going to do it this time. I'm serious. I got it. And that worked for like a month and a half until I had to rededicate again. And so you're constantly just rededicating, rededicating, rededicating. And I think the reason that I kept doing that was because I misunderstood what's going on here. I was focusing on me and what I needed to do for God and not rightly understanding who God is and what he's already done for me. Rededication is about what you need to do for God. Revival is about you understanding what God's already done for you. That makes sense? That's the difference. Rededication is about you redoubling your efforts for what you need to do for God. Revival is about you setting fresh in your heart again who God is and what he's already done for you in Christ. And that stirs you up to breathe fresh spiritual life into your lungs. And so this is what I want us to focus on um, through the next uh, few weeks here beginning in 2023. Um, I told you Second uh, Chronicles 7 14. We'll read that here. And, and so the reason that we're going to tackle 2 Chronicles, the book of 2 Chronicles is really interesting. It's one of the Old Testament history books. Uh, but 2 Chronicles is really a book about revival, especially the back half of Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. And so that's what we're going to focus on specifically is kind of walk through the back half of 2 Chronicles over the next few weeks. And, and what that does is that that second half of 2 Chronicles uh, covers five major revivals in the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah, right? Five times the people of God realized that they were in spiritual decline. And what you're going to see often is externally things were going pretty well. Things were good. Money was good and health was good and government was good and wartime was at peace. Everything was good. But in the process of that, spiritually, they began to de de decline and, 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 and soften. 
And so what you see over and over and over here in 2 Chronicles, what we're going to see is the people of God begin to go through this spiritual decline. But God begins to stir in their hearts to see that. God's word is proclaimed. They see God again for who truly is. They turn from their sin. And they turn back to him. And God restores them, revives them once again. Over and over and over and over and over. So what we're going to see as we walk through Second Chronicles is God delights and desires in having his people be revived by his spirit. Do you desire that? Do you want that? 2 Chronicles 7 14 is kind of the foundation verse for it. All right, so let's read that. It says here, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. So as we go through 2 Chronicles, what we're going to see, each of these revivals kind of hinges on one of these things. Uh, 7.14 serves as kind of the foundation verse and then also sort of a table of contents for the rest of 2 Chronicles. We're going to find a revival that's based off humility, a revival that's based off prayer, a revival that's based off seeking the face of God, a revival that's based off repentance, confessing sin. We're going to see how God uses each of these uniquely in these situations and what it means for us. But what I want to do today We're going to get into in the weeks to come about what does it mean to be humble and to pray and to seek the face of God and repent of sin. We're going to talk about all that stuff. But I don't want to jump into any of that. Today we've got to set the foundation. And the, the biblical truth for all of this, the foundation for all of it, the foundation for you and I being revived, for the foundation for us having God breathe fresh new life into our lungs, the the foundation for us being restored to a right relationship with God is this. Revival is based on relationship. Revival is based on relationship. And we'll unpack what, what, what we mean by that. You being revived is not based off you, what you could do, how serious you are, how recommitted you really are, that you really mean it this time, you being revived in the Lord has nothing to do with that. The foundation for your revival, the foundation for my revival, the foundation for us being renewed and restored and fresh life being pumped into us by the Spirit of God is based off relationship with Him. So look again at 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. I'll show it to you. Look at just the first line of that verse. If my people who are called by my name. Just stop there. That's all we're going to focus on. If my people who are called by my name. Listen. 2 Chronicles 7.14 is not just some random verse thrown out there for anybody who wants to listen to. 2 Chronicles 7.14, listen to me, has nothing to do with the United States of America. That's not your verse. I know you got a coffee cup with it on there, an American flag. It's not about you. 2 Chronicles 7.14 is a very specific verse written to a very specific group of people, the Israelites, based off a very specific covenant relationship they have with God. 2 Chronicles 7.14 is not this 
list of, hey, if you go do this, 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 and this, then God's going to do that. No. 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 is based in a relationship God has with his people Israel. A covenant relationship that cannot be broken. God went to an old pagan idol-worshiping guy named Abram and chose him and made a covenant relationship with him and with his offspring. And then he continued that relationship and then David eventually came. King David and God made a a covenant relationship with him. I promise you, I make a covenant with you that from you will come a forever king with a forever kingdom. And then you have David's son Solomon, who is now building the temple. And this is what 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 is about. Solomon has built the temple, and he's offered the sacrifices. He's got this amazing temple, this glorious temple. This is awesome. The, the, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God is there. He's offered these unbelievable sacrifices. God has brought fire down from heaven. Can you imagine you're in the middle of a church service and a pillar of fire just right down from heaven? Smoke, the glory of God, so filled the temple that no one could walk in the room. And in the midst of all of that, Solomon says, God, you are glorious and you are amazing and you are awesome and we want to live our entire lives for you. But if I'm honest, we're not going to do that. God, you are glorious and you're amazing, but we are going to sin. We are going to fail. We're going to fall short. And when we do that, not if, when we do that, I'm begging you, remember the covenant you made with us. And you be true to your covenant even when we're not. And that's where 2 Chronicles 7 14 comes in. That's God's response to Solomon saying, yes, when you sin, when you fall, when you fumble, when you are not true to the covenant I've made with you, I will be true. What you have in 2 Chronicles 7 14 is God and Israel, right? God and the Jews. And, and, and the Jews. And God is saying, even when you stumble, even when you fall, even when you wander away, I will not. So that when you turn back, you're turning back knowing I'm there. And I haven't left you, and I haven't forsaken you, and I'm never, ever, ever going to. This is about God being true to himself. Again, look what it says there. If my people who are called by my name, he's not basing it on them. He's basically it on himself. You're my people. Called by my name. In other words, my character. My, my name is on the line with you. I'm going to be true to you because my name is on the dotted line. And I will never, ever turn away from that. It's about God. It's about who he is. Not about who these people are or how good they are. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. Because I'm going to be true to who I am. So what does that mean for us? So if that's God's promise to Israel, what does it mean for us? Do we have any hope? Where does our foundation lie? Where is our hope found? Well, we see that in 
the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll have it up on the screen or you can turn there if you'd like. I want you to look at this and I want you to listen to the language, all right? So we saw in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name, listen for that kind of language here in 1 Peter 2. God is talking about you. The people of God today, the new covenant Christian, he's talking about you here. And listen to how similar he talks to you like he spoke to the old covenant relationship he had with the Jewish people. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You hear the similar language? Just like in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it was all based on God, his character, his nature. My people called by my name, I will be true to you. Same thing we see happening here in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. My people who are my possession... The point is, when you trust by faith in Christ, you become the literal possession of God. John 10 would say, you are in his hand, and no one or nothing, not even you, can snatch you out of his hand. You are secure, and you are forever there, which again is the foundation for what we're talking about, all right? You need to be revived. I need to be revived. I need the Spirit of God to flow fresh in me. I need that. So where do I turn? Do I read up on my efforts? Do I try harder? Do I give my penance? No. I trust in my God who has never left me even though I keep wandering away from him. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord. Here, take and seal it. Seal it for thy cords above. What we're asking when we sing that song is we're understanding that we wonder, but God never does. You're his. You belong to him. You can trust in him. That's why we say revival is based on relationship. Revival is based on relationship. We want to be revived. You want to experience something fresh and new in 2023. That's awesome. Me too. You have goals and desires for 2023. That's great. Me too. But if we're talking about growing in our walk with the Lord, being revived in who we are in Christ, being restored and filled up, fresh spiritual breath being blown into our lungs this comes from understanding first and foremost that we are in relationship with him and he's never left us to kind of put some flesh and bone on this i want to go through a story in the new testament that i think kind of lines up with this luke chapter 15 if you if you have a bible we're not going to have it on the screen but you can find it in the scriptures if you have it luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son So as we read through Luke 15, here's what I want you to do. I want you, if you have a pen, I want you to mark every time you see the word father or son. Okay? I want you to mark it every time you see it. What I want you to see in this prodigal son story is this. 
I want you to see the power of relationship. I want you to see, we're going to see the story of a young man who went his own way, his own sinful path, and experienced the consequences as a result. But what allowed him to be restored was not his best effort, not his best works, not his best ideas, but the relationship he already had with the Father. True revival is based on the relationship that you have with God, not what you can offer for him. So Luke chapter 15, pick it up in verse 11. And he, that's Jesus telling the story, said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So this young man did an unbelievable and outlandish thing. He went to the father. When he says, divide up, what come, give me what comes to me. What he's asking is this. Let's just pretend you're dead. I don't want you to be my father anymore. I don't want to live in your house anymore. I don't want you to call me your son anymore. I want what's coming to me, and I want to go do my own thing. I mean, he is the height of rebellion and disrespect and mockery to his father. So what does the dad do? He divides up the stuff and sends him on his way. Verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. So you see the story where the son takes the money, he goes off, that he squanders it, he blows it, right? And very quickly, he's in trouble. Severe famine hit the land. He's in need. He, hit, he gets a job slopping pigs, and he's so hungry, he wants to eat the pig slop. Right? He's got nothing. Nothing. Can you imagine? You're at this point. Everything that you thought was going to work out for you failed. And every plan you had came to nothing. What you going to do now? Where do we go? This is a young man who is in need of revival. He's in need of revival. He's in need of the Spirit of God to blow fresh into him. But how's that going to happen? That's where we pick the story up in verse 17. But when he came to himself, some of your translations say when he came to his senses. If you've been hanging out in our men's ministry at all, in our, our men's Bible studies, you know we get from that verse, sin makes you stupid. He had to come to a point where he came to his senses and he realized, what am I doing? Have you ever had that moment where it just clicks finally and you realize, this is, what am I doing right now? This is ridiculous. This isn't who I am. This isn't where I belong. What is happening right now? You have that come to your senses moment, right? So maybe you're there right now, okay? Maybe you're having a moment right now 
where you've come to your senses, you've come to yourself, you've come to realization of just, okay, this is dumb, this is stupid, this is crazy, this isn't who I am in Christ, this isn't my life, this isn't what God's portion is for me, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm out, all right? So maybe you're there, you've come to your senses. Here's the question, now what? Now what? How do you get back into a relationship with God? How do you get revived? How do you get restored? What does that look like? Where do you go from here? That's really the question, right? That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we often mess it up. Like, we desire this, but then we don't know how to get to it. So this is where we see this young man. Verse 17. But when it came to himself, he said, here's going to be his, here's his plan. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father's house, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So here's his plan. His plan is to rededicate his life to the father. His plan is to go back to dad and to say, all right, look, I, I know that I have no right to be called your son. I know that I've destroyed that, I've burned that bridge, and there's no reason in the world why you would ever accept me as your son again. If you could just make me one of your slaves, and I'll just be your slave forever. I'll just work for you. I won't make eye contact. You won't see me around. I'll sleep in the back. You'll never have to see me. But if you could just make me a slave so I can at least have food in my belly, I'll just take that. And here's what I want you to get. For many of us, that's the way we go back to God. We go back to him as slaves instead of sons. And we wonder why there's no power in our rededication. When we rededicate our lives to the Lord, don't we sound just like this young man? Okay, I'm going to come back, and I promise to God this time, I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that, and I know I can't expect you to do anything for me, and I'm not asking for any of that, but if I can just, if you can just let, let me do this for you, I promise. Right? We're rededicating our lives to the Lord. And we wonder why there's no power in it. We wonder why there's no stability in that, no staying power in it. So we see what happens with this young man. So he's got his plan. He's going to go back. Verse 20. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. I want you to track with this. This is amazing. So this son shows up. And it says, When the father saw him a long way off, he got up and ran for him. Well, you see, here's a covenant relationship. The dad has never left. The dad has never forgotten him. The dad apparently has been watching daily for him to return. Eagerly. And the second he sees him a long way off, he jumps up and he starts sprinting down the road. Can you imagine? 
You ever been in a situation where uh, someone's coming at you and you're not sure whether to pucker up or duck, right? You're not sure, like, are they going to come kissing or swinging? Like, I'm not real sure what's going to happen right now. That had to be what this young guy was thinking, right? He's coming back, and he sees his father in a dead sprint form. He's like, oh, no. This is it. This is where I die. But at least I gave it a shot. His dad comes, and the dad tackles him. Quite literally, the word there, where it says there in, uh, uh, in verse 20, where it says, it was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced him. The word embrace literally means to place in a headlock. But it wasn't out of an act of aggression or violence. He tackled his son and showered him with kisses. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. He couldn't wait for his son to come home. And you see the son, right, in the midst of all of this, the son is still trying to get his, his uh, um, speech out, right? Right, he'd been rehearsing the whole way, like, I'm going to do this, and it's going to be amazing. Right, so he's trying to get a speech out. So he's doing it. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But look at verse 22. The dad's not even listening. The dad's not even listening. The point isn't that he's like, all right, son, well, what you going to give me? How sorry are you? What you're going to give me? How can you're going to prove to me that you're serious this time? Nope. Verse 22. But the father said to his servant, "Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him." By the way, who would have had the best robe in the house? The father. Go go get the best my the good one. You go get that one. The best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. You know what a ring would have symbolized then? It, in essence, would have been like a credit card, a signet ring. He spent all of his money. Get him, get him, get him a card. Get him a, new, get him a fresh card. Right? Not, all right, well, listen, we're going to keep you on a short leash for a while. Shoes on his feet. My, my son's not going to walk barefoot. Go get a good pair of shoes and put it on. Why? Look. And then verse 23, the fattened calf. Kill it, let's eat and celebrate. Why? Verse 24, look at this. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to celebrate. Look at the first part of verse 24. This is awesome. you got to get this. For this my son was dead and is alive again. That word alive again is anazao. You know what that means? He's been revived. Son is revived. Let's celebrate. This dad wanted to see fresh life poured into his son. This dad wanted to see his son revived. And when it happened, he celebrated. That's why we say revival is based on relationship. It wasn't about what this young man could offer him, what he could do, how hard he could work, how dedicated he could be, what he could do to prove himself this time. Again, if you did this, you, as you went through it, father, son, father, son, father, son, father, son. I mean, you've got a dozen times in here 
where it's referencing the relationship, the relationship, the relationship. It's about the relationship the father has with the son. And so you don't have to work into it. You're already my son. You don't have to prove anything to me. You're already my son. You don't have to give yourself a lower ranking. You're my son. My son is home. And he's been revived. Celebrate. God desires to breathe fresh life into us, brothers and sisters. I need it in me. You need it in you. And what's going to be possible to make that happen? The fact that you have a covenant relationship with God. You are his child. You are his people. And he promises by his word that he will never let that be broken. So you need to be revived. We're going to talk about things. We're going to talk about repenting and humility and prayer and how that plays in and God uses those things. We're going to get into all of that in the weeks to come. But foundation one is this. If you jump to those things, I need to pray more. I need to stop doing these things. If you just jump straight to that and skip the relationship, skip the foundation of the covenant that you're in with God, you're going to make it about you and not him. You're going to make it about your worthiness and not his word. Revival is based on God's word, his word to you, not your worthiness. So you can trust him. So my question for you, one, is this. Do you have that relationship with God? Have you trusted by faith in Jesus Christ to make you new? Truly, legitimately make you new. You are entered, you now, you are a child of God. You are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And nothing can change that. Not because you've worked your way into it or you've shown yourself worthy, you've been a good person, because you've trusted by faith in Jesus. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin so that you can trust by faith in him and be entered into a brand new, unbreaking covenant relationship with the God of the universe. Have you experienced the answer to that is no. Today, I want to encourage you to do that. Right here, right now. I want to ask you to bow your heads for me. And if you've not entered into that relationship with the Lord, right now, today, you can. And I encourage you to do it right here, right now. Say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that you went to the cross for my sin and rose again. I give you my life. I turn from my sin. God, make me your child. If that's your desire today, I want to encourage you. Lift that prayer to him. Ask God to make you new. What a great way to start 2023. And if you are a follower of Christ today, talk about being revived. Today, I just want us to set this foundation. I want to encourage you just to take some time just in prayer and praise to the Lord. Today, we don't pray for anything. Today, we just praise. You know the great thing about being in a covenant relationship with God? You get to just praise Him for what He's done, not what you have to do now. So I want to encourage you today, let's start off 2023 praising God for His work in us. Praise God right here, right now, today, that you are called by His name. His name. 
not you. And when you're called by God's name, what that means is who he is, his character, his nature, his authority, his power. That is what's made you new. Praise God for that right now. Especially if you feel like your life doesn't look like it. Especially in that. Praise God that that your relationship with God is based on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and not your worthiness. Praise God that you are called by His name. Praise God that He revives us based on His word, not our worthiness. It's about His word and Him being true to His word to never leave you and never forsake you and never break his covenant partnership relationship with you. To never end that. To never forsake that. And because that's true of God, you can always turn back and ask him for fresh filling and revival spirit. And ask God. Ask God to pour out his revival power on you personally, on your family, on church we can be renewed in our relationship with him and all that that means so as we sing here in just a moment we're asking God to do what only God can do again Psalm 85 6 will you not revive us, oh God, so that we can rejoice in you. God's doing this work right now today. Ask God to do in you what only he can do and trust him that he does. Ask God to do what only he can do and trust him that he does. Lord, I pray today, more than anything, that we will be settled in our hearts, cemented in our hearts, that everything in us begins and ends our covenant relationship with you that we can seek revival, we can seek fresh spiritual life breathed into our lungs because of you and who you are and your unyielding covenant with us. Thank you God, we trust you for this. We pray this in your name. As we close, church, I would encourage you to, you know, we a lot of times we take time at the end during the last song to um, find someone to pray over or to pray with, but I want to encourage you to do maybe something similar, but let's find a brother and a sister that we don't maybe get a lot to spend a lot of time with, and let's just praise God through song. Let's thank him for the possibilities of revival through Christ Jesus and Christ alone. So as we sing, let it not be a song, but let it be the Spirit of God so that we respond to him in a right manner and we say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, revive our hearts, call us home, enable us to respond, let us worship you in a manner worthy of your calling. Let's stand and let's sing together. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurry, 
for your healing. The circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, I pray for revival, restoration of faith. I pray that the dead. Those who do not know you, who are dead in their sin, would come to life in you, Jesus. We ask you, Lord, for those that do belong to you, that we'll be filled fresh with your Holy Spirit. Because we know that our relationship with you is not based on us, but it's based on you. And so the more we see that, and the more we see how glorious you are, and that you never leave us, we want you more and more and more and more. It stirs up greater desire for holiness and and prayer and your word because we are just so overwhelmed with how glorious you are and how you never leave us God we ask that you would do in each individual and family in this church what's only possible for you in Jesus name we pray for your life Amen. Amen. Hey, have a seat, guys, if you will. We're going to let you go here in just a quick moment. Before we do that, one, if you're a guest with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We'd love to connect with you. Best way you can do that is to pull out your cell phone and text the word connect to our number on the screen, 910-424-1298. Just text connect. That's how you can get plugged in with us. But for everyone, three quick announcements we want everyone to know about. First, we've got a mission trip to Hungary coming up, and there is a, an informational meeting for that right now. As soon as this is over in the multimedia room, so you go out either side door and head that direction, and you'll hit the multimedia room, all right? So if you're interested in just finding out more about the mission trip to Hungary uh, in the spring, you can go and find out right now uh, about that. Second, men, starting this coming Sunday, the 15th, we're going to begin Every Man a Warrior, which is our men's small groups. Um, if you're interested in being a part of that, uh, we're going to crank that up this afternoon, uh, Sunday afternoon at 4. We're going to do a little dinner for you and just begin to kind of set the stage for this. If uh, you're interested in being a part of this, you haven't signed up yet, just contact the church office and let us know uh, so we can get you plugged in and get you ready for that. But that's going to be this coming Sunday at 4 o'clock. And then lastly, our ladies. Our ladies are going on their annual uh, ladies beach retreat that's going to be uh, March 9th to the 12th. And ladies, if you want to sign up for that, you can text the word beach to our number. 
910-424-1298 to sign up for that. And for all the other announcements, everything that's going on, how you can stay connected is downloading our church app, uh, iTunes or Google Play. You can also give online through the app or in the giving boxes as you leave. And I will tell you in a couple of weeks, we're going to give you a final assessment of our giving in 2022. And I just will tell you that it was phenomenal. God moved so miraculously through your generosity and your giving. I just can't thank you enough for that. And we'll give you a full update and rundown in a couple of weeks of what 2022 looked like for us giving-wise. But if you'd like to give, again, you can do that through the app or in the giving boxes, whatever works best for you. All right? Let me pray for us and we'll let you go. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you pour out your spirit onto us. And we say, yes, we need more, Lord Jesus. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us. We are yours. We belong to you. We are your children, oh God. And we ask you that you would give us all that we could possibly have in you. We know that is ours in you, Jesus. We thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week.